So welcome back to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. This is a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how all of it applies to our lives as Jesus followers. So we're back again. This is episode 32. My name is Brooke, and I'm your host, and I have the one and only Mr. Lauren Jones. Thank you for saying Mr. Lauren, because <laughs> I was just trying uh, to clear it up. a very young age, um, especially if you weren't looking at me and you just heard my name, you might think I'm a girl. I understand that. So I, I understand that. your pain. Mr. L- yeah, Mr. Brooke. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mr. Lauren. It's amazing how many times that's my last name. And it's like, really? That's okay. Maybe that's why our, our voices are so so base that's oriented. Right. We're overcompensating. <laughs> yeah, must be it. Well, uh, so we got some stuff to get to. We have an interview with uh, with Brett Swiger and Wayne Waters that you did um, a couple of days ago talking yes. about um, what's going on in Afghanistan as we talk about things that are going on in the world. Um, that is a major thing that's going on. So thank you for sitting down and doing that. If you um, are on social media, you may have already seen that interview. You can always go and watch it uh, if you go back to our Facebook page or you may have got a push notification about that. But we are going to add it on to the end of our conversation again today so that you guys, if you listen here and you did didn't happen to see it or you don't use Facebook very well or you're like me and you just kind of skim through it real fast and move on, you can get it here. So um, we'll have that coming up for you in a little bit. Um, but so, so Lauren, before we start, um, so you, you were, before we, before we pushed record here, we, you were, you were telling me about some of your favorite fashion, fa- favorite fashion things, um, because that's what we talk about. We talk about fashion. Was um, I, Brooke? Yes, you were. And, uh, and <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to know, I want to know. So thinking back about your life, um, how, how old are you now? I'm 51. 51. Okay. Yes. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be 41 in, uh, let's see, that's five days, five days now. Okay. Um, so we have, we have some, some time behind us. What are, what are some fashion trends, um, one or, or more, whichever that you look back on in your life and you think, man, I was rocking that and good Lord, that was terrible. Oh, you cringe when you look at it. It's like instant. I didn't know you were going here (laughs) and I did not talk about this a few minutes ago. You don't see this coming. My parachute pants. Okay. In, in in middle school. Okay. They were like Listen to some MC super Hammer and... thin, super thin. <laughs> like you could feel the breeze just going through. And they had zippers and pockets and uh-huh. and uh-huh. they were this gray silver. Uh, they were awful. They were and, and they were so cool very briefly. <laughs> well, so was MC Hammer's career. Yes. Very briefly. And then it was yes. gone. Okay. Yes. Okay. Is that the, is that the one? Oh, that's or the that... first thing that comes to mind. Um, I also remember tapered jeans, uh, on my high school years in Mm -hmm. the late eighties, we would, uh, like fold up the bottom of our jeans and then roll them up a little bit. Okay. And, uh, that was really cool and so bad now. Um, golly, I had, I had a little bit of a mullet, uh, early in high school. Okay. Um, not like a really cool over the top mullet, which I would respect, but just kind of a, trying barely just because you just because you respect it does does that mean that it's actually cool no not at all okay um I just... but that's kind of come back around <laughs> lately a good mullet um, i don't i don't not in the circles we not in the circles of anybody <laughs> with a job <laughs> i'm just saying no but i remember i had a good mullet i could show you i think my sophomore year of high school i had a good mullet you know coming out of the back of your football helmet oh, perm perm the bottom okay. at the back just okay. to have those waves coming out of, uh-huh. and that was really cool for me nice yeah that's awesome. What about you, man? Uh, I think about uh, I think about growing up, looking at my 
my cousin who was who was uh, two years older than me and trying to emulate the hairstyles that mm-hmm. he had. Like mm-hmm. they're they're and my mom my mom is like she was all is always real big about pictures and so yeah. she's always like pictures of while we're doing things and we took vacations and went hiking and camping and doing all these things and so we have all these pictures of of us growing up not you know and then there's the one that's like on the wall that's like this is what you looked like in kindergarten and first grade and second grade and then your senior pictures in the middle and, yeah you know so it's like just looking at the different hairstyles that i had but i remember one um i remember one time and i was trying to i was trying to be i was trying to be like my cousin and uh I had a, I had like a full on like bowl cut and it was like, it was like, like a big shelf. Like you could see it was, and, and it was like parted down the middle (laughs) at the same time. And it was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the right terms for that, but that was, I remember that was, that was the worst. (laughs) That was the worst. But there was always like those, there's always like those, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fit in clothes. Oh, totally. But I spent most of my like middle school and high school career trying to figure out like, Oh, I, I can fit in over here. Nope. That sucks. Oh, I can fit in over here. Nope. Don't like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying really hard. And it's, it's amazing in those years, how hard we try. You oh, know? Man. I'm not saying as adults, we still don't try a little bit, <laughs> but I just think I'm, I'm, re, I'm relearning with my teenage daughters. Um, and I'm reminded that for boys, it's every bit as much as true. Yeah. We, we talk about girls fashion yeah. all the time, but guys are very self-conscious, especially as teenagers too. I know I was, um, but now having said that you have this to look forward to Brooke, cause your oldest is 11. Yeah. Um, my oldest are now 18, <laughs> almost 16, almost 14. I've, I've got multiple girls in my house now saying, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You're dad, not, dad, that, don't you? go out like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's kind of funny. Like we laugh hard about it, but it's also getting like out of hand. Like uh, I, I evidently don't have a wardrobe. That's okay, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, case in point, um, I got a few compliments this weekend <laughs> on my new glasses because uh-huh. I haven't bought a pair of eyeglasses uh-huh. in 15 years. Nice. I just kept using the same ones that were really cool in 06. It's impressive that your lenses were still decent. Yeah, close after to that the long. same prescription. But <laughs> um, I wear my contacts all the time anyway. But literally, my girls are like, "Dad, you, you can't. Stop. You can't." I know they say Oakley on them, which you think <laughs> is cool. But those are old Oakleys. Like, they're not even new, cool Oakleys, you know? Uh, and so I finally broke down. And <laughs> I love it. Oh, remember those pants that were, um, they were like cargo pants, but then they zipped off? Like oh, yeah. They zipped the bottom half of oh, your yeah. like legs off so okay, they became so shorts. I, I still have some of those just for hiking purposes. Like, that's practical. <laughs> those They sell those now in outdoor <laughs> hiking clothing, you know, stores uh-huh. because, uh-huh. because it's a practical thing. It's not, yeah. believe me, it's not a fashion. See, but thing. I was, I think it's funny. It's like the, the people that you hang out with, like it also, like it shifts, it shifts your mindset. A True. lot of those things. Like True. I think about those pants, like I know people that like probably are still wearing those that, yeah. <laughs> that I would, that I would giggle when they walked away because they're still yeah. wearing those. But then you could be in that part of that crowd, you know? And uh, as one who moved from Colorado three years ago, yeah, like right. I still dress a lot like Colorado people, uh-huh. and a lot of people are like, "What are you wearing?" I lived, uh, we you lived know? in the, we lived in Southern California for a while, and I wore the things that you wear there. And I look back at those now, and I'm like, "My gosh, I would like, I would literally probably get beat up at Walmart <laughs> if I tried to wear those clothes here." <laughs> it's just like, huh? That was that was cool there, but man, here that yeah. would that would be awful. Yeah, I had a guy, I, so I, I recently bought a vehicle and. And so I was sitting down with the, uh, the the salesman at a dealership, and he looked at me, and he was like, 
so do you do you mountain bike? And I was like caught off guard because literally that's the most random thing that you could ask someone. You know, it's like we haven't been talking about mountain biking or but, going to the hills or. But knowing what car you just bought, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I totally get what the, why the question came. I mean, it's a Jeep, so whatever. But he, you look like now you look like a cool outdoors guy. <laughs> but he was like, he was like, I don't know. I just I have some friends that mountain bike, and you're you dress just like them. I was like. And I like looked down at my clothes, and I was I'm 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 wearing shorts and and Adidas tennis shoes and a t-shirt. Like I was like, I don't okay, but to, you know what? But this is non to try to take so, like, this nothing about this to try to take this superficial subject matter on our podcast <laughs> to a place of actual turn it into meaning. a sermon illustration. No, Go. seriously, do, at some <laughs> level, doesn't this all come back to our tribalism? Yes, you know, we we just it's who we hang out with, it's what influences right. we, we let into our lives. And, and it's not necessarily all bad, but it's like a reality of we all have these different tribes. The music we listen to, mm-hmm. the language we use, mm-hmm. the, the, the idioms we repeat, you know, yeah. the jokes we tell. It's, yeah. it's, and all you have to do is move around the country a little bit, much less travel abroad, uh, watch different kind of shows, and you pick up on there's different, there's just different little groups that we're a part of. Yeah. Um, case in point, I, I still dress very much like my friends in Colorado and I I'm I'm becoming more aware of it because hmm. I'm I'm looking around at the people around me and I'm like oh they've got some ropers and wranglers on and I don't own any of that you know wonder, <laughs> I wonder what they think when I walk down the street with my fleece vest on you know <laughs> like nobody wears those around here no you know? but it's funny when you wear it on stage I I, I wear I, it on, I gotta be me enjoy it <laughs> gotta be me Somebody, I have my Houston Astros cap on right now. Yes, you do. And I got trouble uh, at the coffee shop first thing this morning. They're like, how do you wear that around See, here? but I think sports are different. Sports, it's like, It's man, still tribalism. I know, but you can still like rep your team and it's not like. Yeah, but we cheated. That's well, the difference. That's true. We won. Let me just point that out. But we did, we did cheat. But we cheated in the process. <laughs> Is it cheating if you are right. smart enough to figure out a way to. Pastor Brooke, yes, I don't know. it is. Okay, I'm just <laughs> Pastor asking. Brooke, I'm just yes, curious. So this weekend we had a we had a pretty good weekend. You you have been telling me how much you enjoyed this I weekend. We just had, had a ball. We had baptisms yes. for our adults and for our kids. We had more about colonial that was full. We had a we had a service that was full. I was stuck in a room with a soundboard back by myself all yeah, morning. You missed along, out on so I didn't get to experience a lot of it. So tell me about your weekend that you enjoyed so well, much. Well, um, you know we talked even I think it was as as recently as last weekend on the podcast about um, just asking the question, why are less people, why are fewer people attending church, not just at Colonial, but across our city and across our American Western culture? Why, why are the numbers down? We know the pandemic has played into that, and, uh, but it, I think there's deeper, deeper stuff going on. But having said that, my roller coaster ride on Sunday morning as a pastor and even more importantly, just as a, a, a part of our Colonial Church family, is first service uh, was light. I mean, I remember just going, man, I wonder if a lot of people are just really freaking out about the Delta variant. And uh, maybe a lot of people are tired because school's starting. Uh, but we were light. Um, we still had a great first service, baptized four adults and celebrated with them. And uh, it was still a great morning. But then second service comes along. And we, ce- we celebrated the baptisms of uh, half a dozen kids and all their families were there. I think a lot of people went to our second service instead of the first because we had 110 or so 
stay for lunch for our more about colonial. And it just clicked for me. Uh, and there was a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. So whether it was at lunch with more about colonial or it was, it was during one of our services, it was just so fun. So fun. When we sang together about how much God loves us, uh, right after the baptisms in the second service, especially with a larger crowd, uh, if you saw me, you probably would, you probably would have laughed. I was just had this, had this big grin on my face. Uh, it was a fun weekend. It was a fun weekend to celebrate with friends, to, uh, to anticipate what the fall is going to look like for us as a church. Um, I'm eager for us to, to lean in and be faithful and even let the chips fall where they may when it comes to engagement. But I'm, I'm super, super excited about what, what God's doing. Yeah. And it's always fun to get to, uh, you know, the, the summer lull of, of activity. It's always fun to get to the other side of that when the fall kicks off, when yeah. school's back in and yeah. people kind of get back to, okay, let's get back into our, into our groups. Let's get back into, you know, some studies that we're doing or, or Wednesday nights, or, I mean, even, even weekend stuff where it's yeah. just like, it, it's just, it's just more fun when there's people involved and, and we get to start to do life again when we, take those breaks over the summer and everybody's gone. And yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I feel that. Yeah. This is a fun weekend. I'm this fall for, also on top of that, I'll, real quick, just, I, this is my favorite time of year when the weather starts to get a little bit better. Okay. Uh, even in Texas, sometimes it takes longer than we'd it like, does. but September is just October, uh, football season starting. Um, Yes, school starting is, is pretty stressful in a lot of families, including yours and mine. But it's also fun. It's it's new. It's challenging. Yeah. I, this is my this is. I think we we have multiple seasons throughout the year. I think this is my favorite season hmm. uh, personally. Okay. So, the end of summer. End of summer. Like my wife would tell you, oh, this is a really hard season because <laughs> she's a teacher, and it's supposed to be that way. Right. For me personally, I think I think between the weather and football, and as a church leader. So many things rev up for churches, yeah. understandably, yeah. when school starts and September and October come around. It's just it's just a fun time of year for us, for sure. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, yeah. I understand that. I, I think the, uh, the, the, the hope that the weather is uh, going to stay cooler <laughs> is uh, a, little, a little crazy. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's this morning. It's, the kids go outside, and it's like Kendrick is, oh, my gosh, it's so cold out here. Oh, my it's goodness, like, he said it was cold. <laughs> dude. <laughs> It's like lower seventies, which is okay, which no, is impressive. I didn't realize it's got okay, that that's and nice. and it's not. It's still going to be a hundred today, and <laughs> it's going to be hot, and you're going to be sweating, and it's going to be fun. All right, so we started off a new series this week, yes. uh, calling it the Book of Acts, which was um, a super creative title yes. for going through the Book of Acts. Yes, I thought so too. <laughs> uh, and and I enjoyed the intro of um, just to you know just to let you know, I enjoyed the intro of. The history of the Roman Empire and um, and and you know with with Julius Caesar and uh, Etu Brute, if you want to go you like that, I, I that little did, Latin I, I threw in I there. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, and the and the uh, the, the, pol- the Polaroid picture that they had from back then. Yes. And, um, I don't, Who took that? I don't know if anybody else in the room caught that that was a joke, but I thought it was really funny. Because um, <laughs> again, I'm in the other room, so I, you know, I don't. No, I there was have, some laughter. Okay, because I, I couldn't hear it because the microphone. Thankfully, most the... people did not take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was humorous, um, but just to, just to hear those things, and I always think it's amazing. And we've talked about this, you know, repeatedly on the here on the podcast that that the the context of 
of what we're reading is so important and makes such a big difference yes. that when we don't have that context, we look at, you know, um, at Jesus calling himself the Son of Man, um, the Son of, you know, being the Son of God, and how that how that related to the world that they lived in and mm-hmm. how anybody would have known that's a big deal. Like right. that's a word that you right. don't just you don't just, you know, give yourself. It's not your nickname that you made up and and you've decided to call yourself that. Like there is uh, so much um, connotation that you're that you're implying with with naming yourself that or calling yourself that repeatedly. Yes, and uh, I, so I it just, helps I, us understand why he was killed. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like why, it's, why were people after him? <laughs> yeah, there are so many people that you're you're making huge statements that we think about. You know, we think about the the the, the passive mm-hmm. uh, Jesus that was you know meek and mild and didn't do anything when he really ruffled feathers. Yeah. A lot, yeah, and a lot more than we realize. You know, it's like we think of like, uh, um, you know, Zacchaeus, and okay, well, he went to the house of a sinner, and you know, everybody's up in arms. Oh, he's he's supposed to be the religious guy and not do that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's easy to kind of wrap your mind around. But then there's the stuff that's like, it's all about history, and if yeah. you don't understand the history of yeah. why the 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 emperor is called this, and yes. they call him this because of these things, and therefore, when Jesus is equated himself to the leader of an empire yes it makes a whole lot more sense why Herod would start to freak out you know in in the in, in Jesus early years of right. trying to kill that baby right because oh man the prophecies are saying this and then to keep going down that road it does it does make a whole lot of sense why you only make it a few years into your ministry before the the uh, the, the state rises up to uh yep. quell the rebellion if why, you will. why was it so threatening I think that's a I think a very normal, young, less knowledgeable Christian, it's it's completely understandable to go, why did they hate Jesus so much? He's mm. so amazing. Yeah. He loves us so much. He did this for took why would, care of people. Why would they try to kill him? Why yeah. would why was he why was he a threat? And I think the more we understand about histor- historical context mm-hmm. and culture, it makes so much sense and frankly deepens my faith yeah. because I see the purposefulness. If that's that a word? The purposefulness. Sure. It was, works. Um, uh, the intentionality of the God of the universe mm-hmm. to come at this time, at this place, in this way, uh, to use these this language. Um, you know, why is it such a big deal that he healed on the Sabbath? Oh, my goodness. Like, for us who don't take Sabbath seriously, by and large, and certainly don't understand this idea of working on the Sabbath being a big deal— why was that such a big deal? And he was helping people, and mm-hmm. yet it's so deep rooted into who they are and what they equated with obedience to God. They were so threatened by that. Um, it, there's so. M- Why was it such a big deal that they went through Samaria mm-hmm. and not around? Yeah, does that seem like a big deal? I mean, I take the shortest route every time I can. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you know, quickness matters. Well, anytime you go anywhere, that's the, that's the goal. Is I got to figure out yes. what's the fastest way to get from here to there. What's the big deal talking to a woman? What's yep. the big deal talking to a woman who's who's from a different tribe? Yeah. And yet, we dive deep into understanding the historical context, and it it's. It's really cool, it's and then, really- I mean, we miss we miss so much of that. Maybe maybe even just because because it becomes the um, I don't want to say mundane, but it just becomes the the norm. Like church becomes the norm. The reading, you know reading parts of the Bible or the certain same parts of the Bible, hearing the same stories over and over, it becomes just the regular thing. And so yeah. then you get into it and it's like, oh, 
He's making a statement. When he said, turn the other cheek, it's not just dodge this and 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 don't don't make a scene you know right. he's a messianic character and followed he's following other you know he he is in the line of other people that have been doing the same kind of thing so when he is you know telling them there's a new kingdom as we'll get to yeah. um, there's a new kingdom everybody else is like they know what that means yeah that would be us like that's us that would be us like staging a revolution talking about okay there's going to be a new government and a new state and it's and it's going to be whatever it is that you know <laughs> that we're trying to proclaim but it's like everybody knows what that means yeah. like you know what's yeah. going on they all knew yeah. and we see it as we've just you know we've known the story of Jesus for so long that it, yeah. it loses it's almost like it loses that until you go back and you read oh right oh they were killing people that they saw as messianic figures, people that were killing, or they were killing people that saw themselves as the the one to save Jerusalem and the one to save the Israel the Israelites. And, right. Uh, it's just, I mean, we just, there's so much And it much also helps there. us understand their misunderstanding of what kingdom meant. Yeah. You know, the, the ones who thought he's going rec- to restore Israel, he's mm-hmm. going to rise up on a white horse and have an army and, and destroy the emperor and... Roman Empire is going to go away, and Jesus is going to be this earthly king. I mean, a, a lot of his closest friends and followers still thought Judas, at some level, that's why he betrayed him, because he right. he thought, okay, this is not he's not he's not doing what the Messiah is supposed to do, hmm. um, and so it helps us understand, like like that's one of the I, I guess I didn't mean to go down that rabbit trail, but. Why would Judas, who's done life with him for three years and watched miracle after miracle and watched the way Jesus revealed the heart of God for people, why would he betray him? Mm. And it's so deep-rooted that he wasn't meeting his expectations for who the Messiah is supposed to be, his his false hopes, his false expectations. Yeah. Um, you mix that in with maybe some greed, uh, maybe even the enemy at work you know, in his life. We don't know, but um, just awful. I don't, it helps us understand. Yeah. To, well, it, to your point, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, Marge Shepard, uh, one of our longtime colonial folks, uh, just gave me a hug yesterday and said, "I so enjoy the history." Mm. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. Sure. Uh, I also really like history, so yeah. that, you know, and I get that. I'm sure some people don't, but I, in fact, one of my girls, I have her in my mind right now because she's like social studies. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I, I love social I, studies. I love I have history. One of those too, yeah. It's story. It's uh, not. It's not numbers and facts. It's well, it is facts, but it's not numbers and formulas and. Right. Char- it's 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 story. It's narrative. Yeah. And I I'm intrigued by that. And it makes me think about you know when we've gone you've you've taught before um, in previous months I think maybe in this year when we talked about the breakdown of like who the disciples were you know as we start to think about the kingdom of God and what that may have meant to them yeah. you know and you talk about the different people that were from different different sects and different mm-hmm. uh different movements and and protesting uprisings those kinds of things when yeah. they all came together it was like oh i mean it makes it makes a whole lot of sense for why somebody would get confused and not understand um, even though I've watched you do things and I've seen you say seen you do this and I've 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 heard you say this stuff mm. I'm still thinking in the back of my mind, like, we're about to overthrow it, right? We're about to right. free our people because you can do these things. I'm watching you do these things. I'm right. seeing you do miracles. So, so, of course, why wouldn't you? Why would you not why do would that not be the plan? Exactly. That's oh, crazy. wait. God, God's ways are higher than our ways. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I loved, uh, who, who was it? Uh, was it Tim Keller that, that you gave the definition of the kingdom of God? Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard. Yeah. Um, that wherever, what, what, wherever 
what God wants done is done. I yeah. was like, okay, that's... That's helpful to me, because yeah. the kingdom of God is a, is a tough concept. So yeah. Willard's definition, which is pretty broad, I get that, but it, it helps me grasp, okay, it's not a place like heaven. It, it's wherever what God wants done is done. It's wherever he is reigning in hearts and minds, mm-hmm. in different locales. Um, it's the kingdom of God spreading, advancing, Um do you think that the 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 lack of context um, plays into it for us as we uh, you talked about um, uh, when when Jesus said uh, that only the Father knows the times and they're looking towards when is this going to happen? Yeah, um, and he says it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Only the Father knows these times. Stop it. Stop! You know, he's he's smacking him on the head with the rolled up newspaper. Stop it! You know, is does does that lack of context? Do you think does that play into it for us as we look at those and we're trying to predict the future and know when Jesus is coming back and when this thing and this thing are going to happen? Does, does does that play into it? Or are we just reading superficial and and trying to? Or are we just trying real hard? I'm not sure. Are you asking uh, when he asked that? In that particular context, are you well, asking you, if that you drew the line from from him from them talking about when is the you know when when are they going to be free of the Roman rule? Oh, I see. And and you drew the line from that to us trying to predict the future and right. trying to end times and when am I going to get out of this? When right. am I going to meet the right person? When am yeah. I going to get the right job? And I'm just curious if you know our lack of understanding of those things is it because we just you know we're just superficial and we read what we want to read and we we hear what we want to hear. Is it because we just miss all of the context of of the things that Jesus lived in 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 this way where we don't see the kingdom of God in the same way because we're just we read it different? I think my short answer is yes. <laughs> I, I think I think my opinion, I want to be clear, this is this is my opinion based on the scripture I've read, is that yes, the, the kingdom with a with a lowercase K, that's what we're all about. We're all about our own kingdoms, uh, whatever that looks like, personal, family, nation. We're all about that. And, and at some level, we're about control. We, we so, I mean, I'll speak mm-hmm. for me. I just want so badly to control what's going to happen next right. in my life and the people's lives I care about in the world around me and government. Control has some negative connotations, but at its best, it's just our, our natural desire to have influence and, and control over things. And I think that flies in the face of trusting God, mm-hmm. trusting in his sovereignty uh, and so I personally, it's, again, it's my opinion, think all the focus on end times and focus on even understanding prophecies. I think there's something legitimate about studying and, and building knowledge. Don't, don't mishear me. But I think there's a fine line there where it just gets to be a fixation for a lot of Christians hmm. to spend a lot of time and energy on trying to predict things, trying to understand what's going to happen next when dare I say it, we're not being obedient about the things we already know we're supposed to do today. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite pastors, I've, I've probably quoted him before here at Colonial. Uh, he's one of my pa- favorite pastors in, in Colorado. He says, man, if, if all of us Christians just spent our time doing the things we already know we're supposed to do yeah. and less time even trying to learn new things, hmm. I think we'd go a long way. And so I, I'm, I'm probably going to frustrate some of our listeners and certainly some of our church folks who really just genuinely are interested in some of those kind of things. I was asked one time, are you, are you pre-trib, Lauren? Or are you post-trib? 
and I stole, which is pre-tribulation, believing that certain things are going to happen before Jesus comes back, or, or post-tribulation, I, we believe certain things from the scriptures that are predicted are going to happen after Jesus comes back. Um, and I stole a line from another mentor a long time ago, and I said, I'm pan-trib, however it pans out. God's, God's good, <laughs> God's in control, and I need to go love my wife better today. I need to go love my friends yeah. and neighbors better today. I need to proclaim the gospel better today. Mm. I just... I'm not interested. So different churches will scratch that itch for you. I don't think colonial is going to be that, that church. We want to make disciples here and now who are faithfully serving, and we're just not going to get bogged down with that kind of stuff. Hmm. So you wanted to talk about the, um, the baptism of the Holy spirit, uh, or with the Holy spirit, I think was the, was the, uh, the word in the middle there. Um, so you, uh, you brought that up and we, we didn't spend a ton of time on that yesterday. So what, what is it about that, that you wanted to dive into and, and really get, get after? Yeah. Well, without regurgitating too much from yesterday, I mean, we're diving into the book of Acts. We looked at the, the intro, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, the first chapter, the first 11 or 12 verses. And one of the things, well, I'll remind everybody that's listening. We talked about just Jesus is saying the Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit of God is coming. You're empowered because of the Spirit. You're commissioned because of the Spirit to do these things, specifically to, to be my witnesses, to tell the world about me. But we, we quickly read one line in there from the fifth verse of chapter 1 where Jesus said, John baptized with water, but pretty soon, in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And because I knew we weren't going to go into that yesterday, yeah. but I also know that's a central theme to the book of Acts, which we are going to be addressing more and more in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. I just, I teased everybody, uh, to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go there. And I'll, I want to talk about that today. Um, it's a, it's more on the end of a deeper theological concept, uh, which doesn't necessarily interest everybody, <laughs> but what is, what does this mean, uh, to be baptized, not just with water, like we did yesterday, dunked in a tub, dunked in a lake, uh, sprinkled some mm-hmm. traditions do, what does that mean versus what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Um, and I want to I want to give you where we're coming from as a church, and I also want to give you maybe a different thought that's out there that that some some smart Christians believe that we we kind of wrestle with. Uh, first and foremost, we believe um, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that supernaturally happens when we are saved, when we give our lives to Christ. It's simultaneous. It's at the beginning of relationship with God, it connects us to Jesus supernaturally. It connects us to the body of believers supernaturally. Um, it's permanent. It's not something we lose. It's not something that uh, we have to try to do again later. It's it's this supernatural reality that happens when we come to Christ, when we repent and believe and trust Jesus and become Christians. Uh, probably the main verse or verses that come to mind are Paul's words. I'll read this out loud to, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13, where he says, we, let me back up and read it from the NLT. He says, the human body, he makes an analogy, has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. He compares the human body to the body of Jesus, the, the church. And then he says this statement. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, which means non-Jews. Some are slaves, some are free. And this is a key phrase. But we have all, he's talking about all Christians, all believers, we have all been baptized into one body, 
by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So that's probably the central passage we go to to just recognize all of us, all Christians, not just the mature ones, not just the ones that have gotten to some level of merit, you know, some level of knowledge, not just the ones that have finally made this decision. No, when we first decide to follow Jesus, we believe from the scriptures, and this is a pretty common belief amongst conservative Protestant Christians, is it happens once permanently at the beginning for everybody. Once saved, always saved. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's related to salvation. Um, and we see in Scripture, I mean, there's no, there is nowhere else mm. in the Bible where it says, okay, now you need, to, you need to seek out baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now that you've followed Jesus for a while, or now that you've gotten to this place in your spiritual journey, now you need to seek out and, and be baptized by the Spirit. No, it, it's, we've already all had this experience, whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not. It's, it's, a, it's a reality. Um, I do want to throw this out. Um, maybe in contrast to our Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, maybe the more charismatic end of Christianity, uh, there is this movement that believes that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience. So first you're saved, first you're, you're, you come to Christ, you begin relationship with God, you're you're you're, you're going to be in heaven when you die, all that kind of stuff. But the Pentecostals, the this is it's probably not fair because it's oversimplifying, but they believe that no, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is a second experience. It's something that that happens for some people later, and it's usually marked by something very dramatic, like now they can speak in tongues. See, yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, in our tradition as as Baptists, uh, or even. I guess we joke a lot about being closet Baptists. Uh, it's it's not something that we really even talk about. Um, I personally believe that speaking in tongues is a real gift. I don't totally understand it. I think there's some pretty clear uh, parameters for what that looks like, but I don't think it's for every Christian. I think there's a ton of Christians that never have that experience. Mm. And I understand the scripture to say we are all baptized by the Holy Spirit initially. Here's the fly in the ointment. And I, I like how... Uh, Theologian John Piper does this for any of you guys that are inter- interested in digging deeper. Uh, there's there's a, a camp of Christians who believes that we can be filled with the Spirit multiple times in our lives specifically for extraordinary power, for specific tasks um, that we need to pull something off, that we need to do the things God wants us to do. I'm fascinated by that concept. I do see where they're coming from in scripture. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna I'll, I'll leave this out here kind of as an open-ended teaser. We're gonna read in the book of Acts a few different times where they talk about being filled with the Spirit. Whoa, what does that mean? Is that, because we're already baptized by the Spirit. We're, we've all got the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Mm. What are they saying? Okay, now you need to be filled with the Spirit. Or, or now Paul was filled with the Spirit, and he did this, this, and this. It kind of reinforces that other notion of, of God stepping in in a, in a unique supernatural time and place to give us what we need to do a specific task. Um, that's where I think we step into the mystery mm-hmm. of trying to understand this. But I hope that's a little bit of, of a teaser for folks that are excited about studying the book of Acts. We're going to learn about post-crucifixion, post-resurrection Christianity— what does it mean not just to be a disciple like Peter and 
John and James on the side of the, you know, lake and Jesus says, follow me. Not just the Sermon on the Mount that was given to people before he ever went to the cross. What does it mean on our side of Easter to live out this faith? What does it, what does it mean to be his people that are empowered and commissioned by the Holy Spirit of God? We're going to wrestle with that because it's a central theme throughout the book of Acts. It, it seems like, um, you know, somebody I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, I've been in church for, you know, the majority of my life. It seems like the Holy Spirit is one of those topics that we just don't talk about very much. It, it's the idea of it at at the, uh, the the conversion or salvation, and then we just kind of move away from it because I don't know. I don't know if it's we just don't understand it. If it's just we we don't we don't know how to describe it. We don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and and especially in a tradition that does not do. It does not, you know, like in the Baptist churches I've been a part of, it's not a, well, let's take time for the, um, you know, speaking in tongues, yeah. dealing with that. That's a distraction. You know, I came from, I come from a, a line of, a line of churches that are big on how do we minimize the distraction and let's not be yeah. a distraction yeah. to other people. And if we don't understand it or it's mystical or, um, yeah. or, or mysterious, you know, then it's like, well, we just don't. Yeah. We just don't really deal with it. We don't. We don't know what to do with it, and so yeah. it's a whole lot easier to look at the life of Jesus and say, "Well, he can do those things because he was and and is God, right? So he can do those things." And then, you know, yeah, there's there's times that the apostles had those had some of those abilities, and they were like, "Hey, check us out. We could do this," and uh, and he sent them out to go do those things. But then, uh, then we just kind of move on to Paul, and it's like we skip over all of the Pentecost and we skip over acts and mm-hmm. we just go straight to Paul's letters to, of how to do church right and how to live our lives right. And the armor of God. And we talk about, you know, you know, all the, all those, those other things. And we just totally skip all this stuff in the middle. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I think you speak for a lot of colonial folks in our tradition. Uh, I think you speak for a lot of, a lot of Christians that aren't Pentecostal. Uh, I have, I think I have a couple of thoughts there. One, just on a pragmatic level, I think we know what to do with the image of a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we know what to do with the image of a son. The Holy Spirit, the Holy <laughs> Ghost, as, as some translations say, what do we do with that? You it's, leave room for them in the middle of the dance. That's it. Oh, my goodness. You heard that, too. That's what... You heard that, too, as a, <laughs> as a teenager? Sure, yeah, make sure there's room for the Holy Spirit. Hey, guys, there. back up, back up. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. For anybody who hasn't heard that, they just cringed really big. Yeah, people said that. People said that. Um we just had dances off campus at Baylor. Oh, know? yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's one of the pragmatic reasons is we just don't know what to do. We can identify with a father and a son. We don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. I think another significant factor in why our tradition doesn't go there, so to speak, very well or very much in understanding the Holy Spirit, understanding the gifts of the Spirit, understanding the role of the Spirit is... Uh, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the ones who do really lean into that understanding, it's very experiential. Mm. Uh, it's very much about feeling. It's very much about personal experience. And we come from a tradition that's very focused on doctrine, on facts. Uh, decision-making. Decision-making, yes. And I think that it, it, at the very least, it just seems dangerous mm. 
to go down that road of experience. Now, shocker, the Pentecostal church is exploding in different parts of the world. Hmm. I think it resonates with a lot of people because we all, all of us, want to experience God. We don't want to just know about him. We want to experience him. We want to feel him. We want to we want to see him at work in tangible ways around us and not just in our heads. And so there is a growing Pentecostal church. Um, not all of it's super healthy and, and good theology, but in my opinion, but it's exploding. But I think it does give our camp, so to speak, some serious pause to go, okay, what does it mean to experience God? Um, not just know about him, not just have all the facts right, the doctrine right. And, and, and bluntly put, these are promises from Jesus that we would be empowered and commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Paul again and again says, don't, don't get drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, what does it mean that Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I did? I think we just literally like cross that out and go, I'm, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to take my kids But to what does it mean to go there? To say, okay, Jesus said we're going to do greater things than him. Yeah. What, what does that look like for me in my life? Um, so I think the book of Acts is going to be really challenging and really helpful. Uh, we'll combine, I hope, some good history with some doctrine and and hopefully every bit as much some application to just living out our faith here in Wichita Falls. It's just, you know, as I'm as I'm sitting here thinking about that, it's like, you know, when you when you're when you're deep into um or or you really you really care about doctrine, um, you know, like a lot of a lot of our camp, if you will, as you said, um, is is really concerned about doctrine. Do we have the right doctrine? That kind of thing, and, and the Trinity being one of those things, we're you know the Trinity is 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 a big deal. How do we just kind of cut off this branch of the you know this this corner of the of that triangle, yeah. if you will, and right. and just ignore it? Like it seems like okay, well if if we're going to talk about the Trinity is is the thing is yeah. you know is 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 God three in one right right we just. We just don't don't deal with it. I just don't know how else to say it. Trinity is way more than a hot chick from the Matrix, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I say that on the podcast? I don't know. You, you edit did, that so out. I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> um, also, dating myself. How long the movie came out? Like in 1999. <laughs> I know. I was going to say it was like 99, right? <laughs> I was in high school. I love that movie. Um, okay, so I always like to ask the question. You know, how do we apply this to our lives? Um, we're dealing with the intro. Uh, with, the, with just the beginning of the book and and not even getting into uh, the being baptized with the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit and the the, the mysteriousness of, of what that means and and how much we we dodge all that but so with so Jesus talked about um, Jesus talked about empowering uh, you you said this weekend that, the, that that this was about Jesus said he's empowering us yeah. giving us all that we need yeah. and he's commissioning us yeah. and to go and give away our lives right, right. so we we we're, I'm, I'm I'm curious how you see when we look at everything that's going on right now, so where there's an earthquake that that is destroying Haiti again, the death toll is over 2,200 people. The fires that are burning up. My my mom is from a small town in Northern California that burned up a couple weeks ago. Um, there's flooding in Tennessee that has killed a couple of people. We've got another hurricane hitting the Northeast. Um, obviously, Afghanistan surging numbers in COVID as we're dealing. Like I literally, I have a kid that's that's home this week from. 
uh, in quarantine because somebody got sick in class. And, and so it's like all of this stuff. So how do we, how do we deal with all of this mm. stuff as empowered believers, as commissioned believers, when we look at all of the madness and craziness of the world, yeah. uh, how do we continue to <laughs> have hope and put <laughs> one foot in front of the other? Easy softballs down the you middle, know, Brooke. I'm just, it's well, under, who do you think I am? And what, what do you think I know that you don't know? It's coach pitch. Come on. They're <laughs> it's easy coach ones. Pitch. You know, I was bad at coach pitch. That's how bad <laughs> I was. Um, you know what? My overarching answer to what you're saying, and I think for, for brevity's sake, I'll keep it 30,000 foot. The world is not as it should be. We, we forget that. We long for things to get better because of our understanding from Scripture of God's beautiful, perfect creation experiencing what we call the fall, uh, the fall of humanity, the rebellion of humanity. Sin has infected the globe. I don't understand it either. Why do, why do hurricanes and tsunamis and fires have to happen? Why do tornadoes have to come through our neck of the woods? Uh, why is war just constant? Uh, why is evil present at all? And it comes back to the world is not as it should be. And we live in... I mean, Jesus never said, hey, if you follow me, everything's going to be great. Uh, he actually said, it's going to be really hard. He implied time and time again, it's going to be even harder if you choose to follow me. Um, so just a, a reality check is none of this should be surprising. It's, it's deeply troubling, and it's, it makes me sad. But it's not like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. Mm. Um, the other side of that is we know how the story ends with all the mysteries and the unanswered questions. We know how the, Jesus, God specifically promises us that there will be a time when there is no more sorrow. There is no more, there are no more tears. There is no more death. There is no more suffering. And so we hold on tightly to that. We believe that he, he is going to end it in his timing, how it should be ended. And I think to answer your question, this is just where my brain went in the moment. It's probably a better answer out there, but, but Henry Nouwen's book, the wounded healer Mm -hmm. just speaks to me where all we have to offer the world around us is in spite of our own brokenness and sin, in spite of our own woundedness from the past and how that that kind of messes us up and shapes us we get to be his wounded healers we get to be um the people who sacrificially give our lives away even if in the moment it doesn't seem to be making things better even if in the moment it's not quote effective yeah um the calling is the same to be who god made us to be um if i might can, can I transition us maybe even to, to teeing up that interview in a minute? Um, I read a fantastic article that I want to put in our show notes that's tied to Afghanistan, but it ties to even what you, you just brought up. Uh, I think a lot of folks are really sad, uh, military or not, um, about what's going on in Afghanistan, you and me included. And I think a reasonable question people are asking is that was that all just a waste 20 Mm -hmm. years of quote doing the right thing 20 years of spending gazillions of dollars of of loss of american lives uh for the military you know to to be there and do what they need to do was all that a waste it's all being washed away at least at least it seems to be so quickly and um I want to put this article link in our show notes by by a writer named david french he's a He's a, a conservative 
Christian writer. He was actually deployed over there a little bit as a JAG. Granted, he wasn't on the front lines. He'd be the first to tell you he didn't have the same experience that a lot of our our guys on the on the ground yeah. did. Um, but he, his article is called They Held the Line, and the subtitle is The Sacrifice in Afghanistan Was Not in Vain. I just want to share a couple quotes out of here because he's, he's really heavy-hearted, but he's super convicted. He shares uh, stories of of what what happened in World War II and how um, you know some Austrians there's there's a great movie called The Hidden Life fantastic super slow hard <laughs> to watch but a fantastic Terrence Malick movie that I enjoyed he talks about that movie and how it's based on a true story of a young Austrian who just he was a conscientious objector to the Nazis um, spoiler alert pause now if you don't want to hear how it ends he ended up being uh, taken to prison by the Nazis, ended up being executed by the Nazis. And it's so easy to say, well, his objection was not worth it, not effective. His sacrifice was a waste. He talks about the French that for years fought before we got involved in World War II and how much loss they experienced. And yet he argues nobody's saying that that was wasted mm. their their fight against the Nazis and this is these are the words I want to read this from his article because I think this applies to Afghanistan I think it applies to our calling as Christians in the moment even if it doesn't seem like we're making a difference he says the purpose of sacrifice is not transactional in other words a sacrifice does not become quote worth it only if that sacrifice yields immediate tangible returns with greater returns necessary to justify a greater sacrifice. No, instead a virtuous sacrifice is transcendent. It's an expression of duty and faith that has enduring power. And that power is often not fully perceived within our lifetimes. And then he goes on to write this as a Christian. This is some good Christian perspective. He says a person living in the first century could easily believe that Jesus died in vain. Very easily. Think, think about being there, speaking speak in a historical context like we did earlier, Brooke. A person living in the first century could easily believe that Christ died in vain. His death utterly frustrated the political and military expectations of a Messiah, of the, quote, Savior that so many people longed for. Even his resurrection was but a rumor for many, completely unknown by most people. Like, think about that for a moment. We know about the resurrection changes our whole perspective. Right. Most people in the first century didn't even know hmm. about the resurrection. By this is this is him writing again. By every single secular measure, the execution of Jesus by Roman authorities had a simple meaning. Rome had prevailed again. No one could foresee the arc of history, yet we see now the arc of God's providence fueled by the sacrifice of saints giving us enduring hope. The theologian Curtis Chang put it well. He said, a hopeful stance towards sacrifice is embedded in the very fabric of our faith. I'll say that again. A hopeful stance towards sacrifice is embedded in the very fabric of our faith. Taken together, our sacrifices tell a story. What and who we choose to die for defines a faith and defines a nation. The story of horrific sacrifice in the early church of saints who were mocked, flogged, tortured, stoned, even sawn in two, demonstrated not just a commitment to an, an eternal truth and faith and eternal life, but also a commitment on this earth to an upside down kingdom where the last are first, where we bless those who persecute us, where we gain our lives by losing our lives. 
And then he closes with these words. Well, this will be the last part I read anyway from this article. He says, the sacrifice in Afghanistan is different, of course, but it also tells us a story. It tells the story of men and women who loved each other and died for each other. It tells the story of people who cho- chose to leave hearth and home and place themselves in harm's way to confront a terrible evil. It tells the story time and time again of American men and women who died to protect Afghan men and women. It wasn't for nothing. I want to include that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I think some people would really enjoy reading this full article. The sacrifice in Afghanistan was not in vain. David French. Um, I also just want to be reminded personally and remind all of our listeners as Christians, uh, we're not supposed to be effective. We're supposed to be faithful. I think our lives every day are made with this mindset of, well, what, what's going to work? Yeah. And I get it. I think that way too much of the time too, but Jesus doesn't say, Hey, I want you to do whatever works, whatever's the most effective. He says, he says, I want you to be faithful. I want you to trust me. So that helps me when the world's going the other way, it helps me keep going. Um, when another, you know, war starts, when another storm happens and people suffer, when another, you know, politician or even pastor fails morally, it doesn't take all the wind out of my sails because I, okay, so that didn't work. Mm. So this isn't working. It doesn't change our call to faithfulness. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's pause the conversation here. Um, we've got, uh, obviously we've got the interview coming up and, uh, want to get to that. I'm, I'm curious, what is, what is the, the, what, what do we expect? We, we just started off the book here of, of acts. What are you looking for? What are you hoping that we see and learn through, through this book as we dive into it? Uh, I just hope we see, um, even though the people are different than us, we have a lot more knowledge now than these folks we're going to read about in their their first days and, and years of following Jesus. I hope we can see some similarities in just what does it mean to be the church? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a Christian follower of Jesus in a world uh, that even here in the Bible Belt, that a lot of people around us are not following Jesus? What does it mean to be faithful? Uh, how has God been at work? How is he still at work? Um, I hope too, because it's such a narrative based book. Uh, it's not, you know, just a bunch of doctrine. It's not just a bunch of facts. It's, yeah. it's an, it's a story it's a, with an arc. Right. I hope people really enjoy reading it. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I, I think for those of you that have not been reading the Bible consistently, uh, haven't picked it up in a while. Uh, I think this is a great time to jump in and just start reading the book of acts. Cause it's, it's a story. It's a story. It's a historical uh, view into what the first church did in different places in the in the, the days of the Roman Empire. Um, so yeah, at the, I mentioned yesterday. Let's read Acts chapter one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to dive into chapter two this Sunday, and uh, I think the fall is going to be really exciting. Yeah, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, so we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap it up right here and uh, get to interview. This has been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. Um, you can always get more information at uh, at colonialchurch.com or from our app at the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Um, obviously, we'd love to hear from you. We love your emails and your feedback and your questions and all of that. So you can send that to us at podcast at colonialchurch.com. Um, thanks for listening, and we're going to pick up the conversation again next week. So, Lauren, lead us into this interview with uh, with Brett and Wayne and what you guys talked about. Absolutely. These guys graciously uh, agreed to uh, just sit with me on a Zoom call. I don't know how good the audio is, Brooke. I know you're going to work your magic and make it as, as good for all of us as possible. Uh, but I just, you know, very low, uh, low 
effort on my part just to get a Zoom call with two men that I have a ton of respect for, Wayne and, and uh, Brett both. Uh, Wayne served as an elder before, still as still a key leader in our church. Brett is now an elder with us as of this past year. Uh, both of them love Jesus like crazy. Both of them want to grow and serve. And specifically, both of them have served our country, specifically deployed in Afghanistan at a couple different seasons of life. I just have a perspective that I don't have, maybe a lot of you don't have, and um, it is good good to hear their thoughts. It's a brief conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, welcome everybody who's joined us for this uh, conversation. Uh, I'm Lauren, uh, pastor here at Colonial Church with two of my good friends and uh, brothers in arms, so to speak. Uh, we've got Wayne Waters here, who is a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and a former elder here at Colonial up until very recently, still leading in some key ways uh, for us as a church. And we've got Brett Swiger. Uh, in the green with um, who's now trying to juggle being a Southwest airline pilot again, uh, as well as in the reserve serving uh, as he served a long time in the air force. Uh, so thank you guys both for joining us. Um, I am glad that our people get to hear a little bit from you, both of you. My heart is heavy as I watch the news uh, about what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, of course, I see all the political vitriol uh, that's, that's attached to that and, and frustration from people. That's not really what I want to talk about with you guys. Uh, I really want to hear, how is our community doing? We live in a town here in Wichita Falls that's got uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, huge part of who we are as a community. A lot of folks connected to currently in the Air Force as well as in the past. Um, a lot of military folks, uh, people who've served like each of you. Uh, over in Afghanistan in the past, loved ones uh, of people as well. So I want to start with you, Wayne. Um, how are you doing and how, how do you see, how do you, what's the barometer, you think, on, on the temperature of our, of our military community here in town in light of what's going on on the other side of the planet? Yeah, good question. Uh, I'll start out by saying that it, what Brett and I will say today is our personal opinion, not necessarily official stance of the government, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. Air Force. These are based on our personal experiences, and that's kind of where we're coming from. And so from that standpoint, uh, a lot of the folks that I've talked to, you, you kind of are all over the spectrum, if you will. And some of it's just based on how often have folks been to that part of the world? Uh, what was their experience over there? And I know between Brett and I, we were both in Afghanistan. We both have probably very different perspectives. And that varies from the folks that were actually on the ground. So I was on staff in Kabul at the headquarters, I think, uh, Brett was uh, flying in Afghanistan. So that alone is just a, a very unique perspective. And then you compare yeah. that to some of the folks that were on the ground, you're going to get a wide variety of emotions. You're going to get a wide variety of perspectives and viewpoints. And I think that's what I've seen so far, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. on Facebook or talking to folks in our unit who were there and maybe there multiple times, um, you, you just basically get different, like I said, different viewpoints and different perspectives. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and for me personally, like, um, it's heart wrenching to watch some of the, the videos and my heart goes out to the folks that are in um, bad positions, trying to get to the airport or trying to leave. 
but also for the folks that are still on the ground um, trying to get folks evacuated, whether they're crews on aircraft that are flying folks out or protecting the perimeter of the airport and trying to keep things under control. Um, those are the folks that kind of right now just are at the forefront of my mind. And I would ask folks to to pray for them uh, because that's not an easy situation to be in and it's somewhat chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Brett? What's your perception, both both based on your own personal experience as well as just, you know, you've got lots of military friends uh, here now that I'm sure you guys have been talking. What, what's your perspective, Brett? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, hard to process. And uh, I didn't sacrifice much. You know, I was gone from my family for five and a half months. So many people sacrificed uh, not just time, but parts of their body. Um, lots of people died. So we have um, families who have had to uh, suffer through that over 20 years and um, just processing through that, what that means. But uh, just today, my wife ordered me a Facebook post from a, I think he's a, currently serving or is, is a veteran of um, Operation Enduring Freedom and, and did a great job laying out like we may right now see like all this chaos, but um, that doesn't mean that the 20 years we spent in the country was meaningless. Um, they use the analogy of uh, a doctor who fights a cancer that then goes in remission and then comes back. I mean, they were still good. And, and there's been so much um, mm. good aid has gotten to come into the country. Uh, women have gotten the um, so much uh, um, just more rights, uh, children, like you go on and on and on. And, and so some of that may be being wiped away, but there has been some hope. There has been, um, some good that has come out of this. So I think for me and for other uh, Christians who served over there, it's like, well, ultimately it's the hope of Jesus knowing that God is in control here and uh, that no matter what, he's going to work good. Mm. Mm. I, you know what? I think if nobody else, I needed to hear that cancer analogy. That's a great perspective. It doesn't mean those years that we were able to push back against that cancer or anything but wonderful, anything but but beneficial and good. Um, it's hard to feel that way when you find out the cancer's back. You know, I, I, I totally get, I shouldn't say that. From my limited perspective, I understand um, the, the anger, the frustration, the sadness of, of folks that are like, what, what are we over there for? Why were we, why were we doing this when it's being washed away, especially so quickly? The things I've read, have spoken a lot to the quickness of the way the Taliban Taliban's taken back over. And even the experts didn't see a lot of them anyway, didn't see that coming. So I can understand and appreciate where people are pretty frustrated right now. Um, and that's my heart to you guys. I'll, I'll speak to both of you uh, on behalf of all the other, you know, you guys representing all the other folks in our community that, that serve. Thank you. Um, I think people like me and my family, we just take for granted the freedoms we have. We take for granted that people are sacrificing on the other side of the planet. And my girls want to find jeans that fit, you know, and, and I'm complaining because my coffee order's wrong, you know, and I, shame on us for not having more gratitude and expressing that more um, clearly. So if nothing else out of all this, I think it gives us an excuse to, to thank the person on our left and right that we know I've got, I've got multiple people on my street in my little suburb of Wichita Falls, you know, down by the stadium 
that I see in fatigues all the time that that uh, are, are I know serve in, in the Air Force or with, or with NATO. We've got some NATO folks as well. So thank you for whatever that's worth. Um, I, I want to ask you guys in front of all of our people that are watching this and listening, um, please help us love our military community well. We're going to continue to to people like me, even as a pastor. We're going to continue to to take for granted, to miss, to misunderstand. And I love having guys like both of you in leadership here at Colonial because you help us, I hope, serve our military community better and be more sensitive and empathetic, uh, especially in, in times like this. I want to ask you guys pointedly, not just as military guys, but as Jesus followers um, with kingdom hearts and minds. I love that about both of you. You love your country, uh, and you die for it, clearly. Uh, and even above that, on the ladder, uh, is King, is Jesus, is is the the kingdom of God that that matters more to both of you. And I love that about you. I think that's right, and and where we all want to be. So, with that in mind, tell me about, um, especially because you guys have been there, you've been on the ground there, you you know the culture there at some small level better than the rest of us. And I know that Brett specifically, you've been reading a lot uh, and knowledgeable about the the Afghan church over there. Um, what about the people over there? What about the Afghan people, uh, Christians and non-Christians? What what do you guys see going on, and how can we be actively praying for them? Brett, I'll start with you. Yeah. So um, I, when I first saw this a couple of days ago, I immediately turned to like, what was about my experience, right, and about my fellow uh, brothers and sisters in arms who I work with. Um, and, but then I quickly, uh, just through doing some, uh, just prayer and research. And I was like, there's, uh, obviously the, the people of Afghanistan, uh, it's clear that they're in tremendous suffering, but I came across something that started talking about the underground church in Afghanistan. And that, and I've only seen this statistic in one place. And I, I know the numbers of Christians overall, the overall very uh, vastly majority a Muslim country, but I've seen that uh, Afghanistan is the um, second fastest growing Christian um, church in the world, just behind Iran. Um, so there's already news coming out about the persecution of our Christian brothers and sisters um, as the Taliban sweeps through. Um, and I've also seen uh, with that, uh, uh, there's already been Christian aid organizations that have been in place for a long time who are saying we we can't we can't stay here. Uh, so um, I think for us as a as a church who uh, we want to be local, but we also uh, our mission is also to to look outside of of Wichita Falls as well. We just need to be mindful of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are. Uh, and suffering and persecution, and I think even a martyrdom. And some of those Christians, it sounds like, are, are, are trying to flee their homes into the mountains and just kind of ride this out for right now. But there's other Christians who have stayed. And uh, even one report I've uh, heard said that um, a village that was taken over a few weeks ago by the Taliban, that Christians are actually witnessing to the Taliban and leading uh, Bible studies. So uh, God works. Uh, yeah. he's, he's going to work despite the, um, the enemy moving, he's going to work, he's going to move and we just need to go in prayer and support. And, um, 
if you feel called to even give financially, uh, some of these organizations are fairly new to me, but if you want, you can even contact me and I'll give you the info and let you do the research yourself uh, to say, see if, if anyone listening wants to be led that way. Again, I'm not going to put that out here because I, I honestly don't know enough about it. I'd be like, yes, definitely donate to this cause. But you know, what it but sounds you know what? like to that end, Brett, though, as, as a fellow elder, I think that I think we should own a little bit of let's do some research and let's give yeah. some people who follow up with us. Uh, let's do our own research so that whether it's officially as a church or it's at least some knowledgeable resources we can pass along. I'll own that with you. Let's do that well. I think we can do Love some it. research and fi- find some opportunities for people that, that want to contribute to the growing church over there. Yeah, Sounds for great. sure. Yep. Great. Yeah, I, I think I read some of the same materials that you passed on to me, Brett. To I, I knew that Iran was the fastest growing church in the world. Uh, I did not know that Afghanistan was the second fastest growing church in the world. Um, and I will, I will say this. While I am, I guess, freaked out is the, the right term in some ways, because just what I'm understanding that the Taliban are doing and pulling young girls out of their homes and... Um, Clearly, it's, 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 you're going to get executed if you're a Christian, if you're evangelizing. Um, while that grieves me in, in all the ways it should, I'm so encouraged to read about the history of the Iranian church the last few decades, because my understanding is they estimate in 79 uh, about 500 Christians in the whole country. And uh, they're estimating now a little over a million Christians in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all underground, uh, at the risk of their own lives, uh, and it is flourishing. And it reminds me what God does in my life. At the lowest valleys of my life, the most painful, frustrating seasons of my life is when I have grown the most. Mm-hmm. It's when the Lord has brought me close. It's when He's done miracles. And are we surprised that He does that even in nations? And so um, I don't wish this on Afghanistan in that sense. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's infuriating in some ways. And all at the same time, I want to see what God does because I know, I know what he does in these type situations. I know what he does in these seasons and it's already exploding. The church is already exploding. I know it's going to have to go even more underground now, but um, I'd like to, I'd like to, to be a part of what God's doing there in some, in some way. Wayne, do you have any thoughts on, on our responsibility here in our safety of Wichita Falls and, and and what we can do to be a part of what God's doing over there, or just your heart for the people there. Yeah, after you guys have been talking, I I, I remember uh, years ago, probably 2005, 2006, I met a guy who was traveling to Afghanistan for his second time. Uh, his purpose and his group's purpose was to witness to people that were over there and share the gospel, mm-hmm. but they're doing it under the guise of you know, business dealings, which was partly true, but the sole purpose was to spread the gospel to people. So he was part of what we now know is, you know, the church in Afghanistan, as far as the Christian perspective goes. And so in light of all that we're watching on TV or that we've seen or or heard about, um, that kind of puts me more at ease versus, you know, getting my blood pressure up. Um, to mm. think about the impact that somebody like he had. And then, like you said, mm. Iran, 500 people turn into 1 million. So we talked about this before as elders, like the church is not a building, even though in Canada, like where we've seen buildings of churches burned down, the church is still flourishing in, in a lot of 
uh, places on the, on earth. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to hear more and more stories. I hope, um, even if the Taliban, you know, they don't stick to their word that they've been saying recently. Um, and they start going back to some of their older antics, uh, mm-hmm. the church, like you said, will go underground and we have to pray and support them, whether it's financially or just through prayer or, just just support. So like if I met somebody going back over there under the same guys um, that the guy I met on the East Coast did, like I can go, hey, you got somebody that's going to be praying for you, a church that will be supporting you in prayer and, and maybe a church that will be supporting you financially. And that goes a long way. And, and who knows what God can do with one individual or 500 individuals um, in light of what maybe surfaced as something you know, even horrific or tragic. Yeah. I, I think I back agree. to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He could have left mm, Germany during, yeah. you know, Hitler's reign. And and now we talk about him, read about him. And some of the words that he says are so profound. And I've seen a few pop up recently. Mm. Um, you know, had folks not been like that, or folks aren't doing that right now, like, mm. you know, uh, it would be different. But thankfully, you know, folks leaned on their faith and man, yeah. God's been able to do some pretty miraculous things. It, it certainly, it's quoted at funerals a lot by people like me, uh, but it certainly brings the word Paul had to the Thessalonians. He, he just said, we don't grieve like people who have no hope. Uh, we grieve. We grieve because we feel emotions, sadness, anger, uh, loss, but we don't grieve like people who have no hope. We see that God is in control and he, he brings beauty out of ashes and he rescues and he restores and he uses the worst of circumstances to reveal his goodness. Um, and that's all I can cling to right now as I watch people suffering and cargo planes full to the brim of, of people in fear. And so, well, let, let's get, let's get practical here as we wrap up. Um, help me here. What can we do? We here at Colonial, we know we can pray, pray for people here who are hurting uh, in light of their experiences over there and their, their, their sadness or frustration or even anger about, about what they might even seem deem as waste. Um, we can, uh, wrestle with as a church. Is there any way financially we can contribute to the growing church over there to the persecuted Christians, uh, survival and growth over there? Uh, Brett, as elders, I think, you know, we just said it in front of everybody, let's own, let's at least talk, talk to Brooke, our pastor of city and global engagement. This is something that I know he's got convictions about, and let's lean into him a little bit together. Um, I want to bring up Cesar Diaz. Uh, Wayne, you know Cesar maybe better than both, both the rest of us. Uh, tell us in, in 30 seconds who Cesar is and what he can provide. So I met Cesar in Every Man a Warrior, and when I found out he was an army chaplain who was embedded with a lot of forces in Afghanistan, like I'm like, I got to talk to that guy, and I have. And mm. he's fantastic, um, and now he's doing uh, counseling uh, in town uh, with a company. Um, yeah. I've uh, recommended a few people talk to him based on some of their experiences, not just in Afghanistan, but in other places, and, and he's awesome. And, and yeah. along those lines, like I think in addition to prayer and, and maybe even uh, donating financially to an organization that can help over there. But if you run across somebody who's got military experience and it's recent, even back mm. to the Vietnam era, because a lot of those folks in Vietnam experienced similar things uh, when the war in Vietnam ended. 
And so maybe they need to process that stuff as well. And, and actually, I think some of those guys will be very supportive um, mm. of the folks that now are kind of going through this thing. So I think it's okay to ask folks, hey, have you been there? Like, how do you feel about that? And just listen um, yeah. and pray for them I and tell them, hey, thanks for your service. Um, I think that's going to, that's actually going to make a big difference. That's a great word. That's a great word. We need to be, that may be one of the, the simplest and yet most important things that we can do. Um, I think we think we have to send, you know, gazillions of dollars over there. We think we need to pray for two hours. I think reaching out to a neighbor, to a uh, somebody we, we know right here and just ask them how they're doing and listen um, and honor them. That That's a great word, Wayne. Yeah, and you're going to get some. You're going to get some true emotions when you do that. But if you're just there yeah. to listen and not judge and, yeah. and not take sides and, and not you know steer them down one path or the other, and just right. say thanks and um, you know I'm glad you got a chance to process some of that and talk about it. Like that's yeah. that's like baby steps that you know will get us in the right direction. Yeah. Um, Brett, did you have anything you want to add? I, I was going to ask you. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, just to put in another um, discussion point about Cesar, he not only is an early chaplain, he's a counselor, but, and he's worked with vets, and he deals with trauma. And he's mm-hmm. super, uh, he would be a great asset for any of us who are struggling, who need to work through some, some issues in, with a Christian understanding, worldview, like I would, I would point you to him, but also I think for us who have served like just, you know, um, and our spouses, like, especially us, we have a unique opportunity in this time to, uh, do reach out to people around us who may be hurting, who don't know the Mm -hmm. hope of Jesus and work on those radical minimums we've been talking about, right? Like invite someone over for a meal, have those discussions, pray. If you, if someone comes to mind, pray like, Lord, how can I work in that person's life today? And what do you want me to do about it? And yeah. uh, this is, again, just an opportunity for us to be the hands and feet, to use the experiences that we've been through to uh, be a blessing to those around us. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to share a little bit of your insight and your heart. Um, love you both. Lots of respect for who you are as men and specifically just your heart to serve others. Um Brett, would you just close us in prayer and, and pray for, for us as well to be faithful as a church? Yes, sir. Uh, Lord okay. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to uh, meet people where they're at, Lord. Um, we pray that um, we just, even when times are hard, Lord, even when we don't understand, that you just give us a peace that passes all understanding, Lord, uh, that we look to people around us, Lord, uh, to move in uh, how you want us to move, Lord. Uh, We just thank you for who you are, Lord, for coming into the brokenness, Lord, and redeeming and turning things to good. We just pray that you use this uh, horrible um, series of events, Lord, just continue to proclaim your name to uh, grow us closer to you and to uh, just further your kingdom here on earth, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.